Father, we're so thankful, Lord. So thankful you could look beyond fallen humanity, Lord, and see our needs, Lord, tonight. Lord, you can see, Father, the things that we go through, the situations that we face. Lord, we're so thankful you didn't leave us in darkness, Lord, but you shone a great light upon us, a light that we could see. Lord, we could see where we're at and what we're going through and where we're we're headed, Father. What a glorious gospel that we have today. Lord, we just ask that you would bless us tonight together. And in your word, Lord, just help us, we pray. We commit our lives to your hands in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's turn to John chapter 1 and verse 1. Amen. I bring you greetings from Brother Kelly Hildebrandt and his assembly there just outside of Saskatoon. We had a wonderful time this past weekend. It was uh, quite cold. Uh, glad to be back. Amen. I guess I got off, got off the plane. It was negative 28. And, uh, you know, after a long day of travel and you wore out and get there about 2 o'clock in the morning, you walk outside, it's negative 28. It'll wake you up real quick. And, uh, but uh, we thankful the services wasn't negative 28. Amen. But the fire of God moved in our midst. There was many that gave their hearts to the Lord and healings that were brought. And, and uh, man, a man over 70 years old gave his heart to the Lord. Amen. Makes it worth it all. Amen. For one soul to walk down the aisle, it's worth every trouble. It's worth every mile. Amen. So we're thankful for that. Thank you for your prayers. Amen. John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without, without Him was not anything made that was made. But in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. Now he was not that light, but was sent to bear, bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh unto the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as, as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and of truth. Amen. We'll let you be seated this evening. I'd like to just speak to you this for a moment on the darkness comprehendeth it not. Quite a um, wonderful scripture reading here as we read John and his... Uh, you know, you can read the other Gospels, and John puts it in a way that no other Gospel put it. And he would go back not to just the beginning of gene- genealogy, but to the beginning of the creation of the world. 
and he would begin to explain things and, and begin to unfold things. And, but, you know, it was amazing that he would come to this verse, and the light shineth in darkness, speaking of this life that was the light of men, and this light shineth in darkness, but the darkness comprehendeth it not. Now, you know, darkness can never stop light from shining, but the benefit of light must be seen by those who walk in the light. If, your eye, if, you know, if your eyes are closed while you're walking in sunlight, the light does not help you in the steps that you take. Amen. You're just as good as a, you know, walk as much as, or good as a blind man would walk with your eyes closed. That is what it, what it's like for those who did not comprehend the light in the days of Jesus. Their eyes were closed. Something had blinded them. Now we can read in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 3, it says, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine upon them. So we see that the God of the age had blinded them. The people's mind, it blinded the people's mind so they could not see him nor understand him. They would hear his words, but they could not understand what he said. They would see the miracles that would take place and yet still not understand who he was. Uh, which is a you know paradox. How could someone come and do things that no man could do? You know, uh, uh, it, it's a it's a paradox to think that someone could open the eyes of the blind and actually will get to it. Actually, create eyeballs. Actually, uh, uh, you know, to cast out spirits of men of children that were cast into the fire by the by a spirit, cast it out, and do many mighty wonderful miracles. But yet they still could not see who he was. That's quite a blindness that has taken place when when you see that that those things can be done and in such a marvelous way but yet still not know who he is and and you know it it comes there's an entrance in psalms 119 and 130 says the entrance of thy words giveth light it giveth understanding to the simple. So darkness can't stop it, but it tries to hinder it. It tries to block it. It tries to stop up the entrance where the light comes to into the nerves and to the receptors. Amen. You know, I was just listening to a tape actually that was preached there in Saskatoon. There's about five services on tape. He would preach more than that, but there's five on tape. Well, Brother Branham in, the, in, a, in, a, in a time there would describe a blindness. He would just describe blindness as an invisible band that would be over your hand cutting the blood flow off to your fingers and eventually the fingers would fall off. He said that's exactly what happens in blindness. He says a spirit would get over those optical nerves and begin to pull on them and squeeze them down and cut the blood flow off until that person becomes blind. And he says, see, if it says if you could cut that band, then the blood flow would return. And he said there is is a power that'll break that band over the optical nerves of an eye, and so the blood and light can come again. And the Word of God is a power. There's a voice that speaks. There's a word that goes forth. There's a spirit that brings it to pass. Amen. And then it's to curse the demons of hell that wants to cut the blood flow off to that part of the body. And you know, I, I thought it was very interesting as I, I would listen to these tapes while I was in a motel there in Saskatoon. And, and Brother Brother Kelly would give me some of the background of what had taken place. 
well, Brother Brandon would come and he said they would actually had rented a place that would hold three or 4,000 people, but somewhere around four or 500 people would show up. And, and you could tell Brother Branham would look at this and wonder about it and say some things as he would begin to say, you know, look, we have this big building and not very many people here. He said, Brother, Brother Kelly said what had happened was all those churches around there, those preachers and pastors had told their, their, their people if they showed up, they would excommunicate them. And so, and then not only did they do that, they came and sat on the front row and to see who was there and to try to stop the presence of God, the, uh, the preaching of the word and the flow of the spirit. Amen. And, you know, and I thought it was very interesting, interesting in about the second service as I was listening to it, Brother Branham comes in the prayer line and he's discerning. Now he said, he says, now I want to get away from that for a moment. And he begins to just ask people what their needs are. And, and he, you know, he says, I just want to show you what prayer can do. And he said, he began to ask them and they would say this and they would say that and he'd begin to pray. And in the middle of all this uh, 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 obstruction, in the middle of all these people trying to hinder and trying to stop, amen, God came down and there was blind that received their sight. There was deaf that heard. There was a crippled boy that walked. There was a little mute kid. You can listen to him on the tape as he couldn't speak and you hear his mama say, he can't talk. And, and Brother Branham prays for him and he said, now I want you to say I. And the little boy would say I. Say love, love, Jesus, Jesus. In the middle of all of that, God was still displaying his power. Amen, because darkness will never stop light. It'll try to hinder it. It'll try to keep it back. It'll try to hold it back. But lightness, light will always prevail. Amen. And we see that Satan had, had blinded their eyes and the light had been put out and their hearts were hardened so they couldn't receive the light that had come into the world. And no matter the signs he'd done or the miracles he wrought, they never could receive that light. And I thought that was interesting that those men that were... You know, I feel like maybe if I had that attitude, and, but I saw the things God was doing, I would, I would say, hey, I'm wrong. I'd call my church members and say, every one of y'all get down here. Come and see what God is doing. Amen. Because, you know, there's something about that. When you begin to see God doing things only God could do, it opens our eyes and we begin to realize who he is. Amen. But in the middle of all of that, those same men sat there, same critics, still critics, amen, would hold on to those things for years. Years and years and years, amen, just as a Pharisee, amen, shows you those spirits never die. They're always trying to push out the supernatural. They're always trying to hinder the move of God. They're always trying to stop the blood flow in the church, amen, but God will have a people, amen, that has their eyes open, has their hearts ready to believe, amen, the blood flowing through their bodies to receive all that God has for them. But we see, you know, they stay, you know there's also a thing about the sun that if you are at light if you stare at it too long and you try to figure it out it'll put your eyes out amen what they thought you know in that time was real light was actually darkness because they hear when they came to the real true vindicated light of their day, amen, they stared at it and they questioned it and they wondered about it and until their eyes were completely put out 
Amen. This is what, you know, it's, I think is quite a statement that Jesus would say in Luke chapter 11, verse 33. He says, no man, when he lighteth a candle, putteth in the secret place, neither under a bushel, but on a candlestick, that which may come and may see the light. And the light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when thy eye is single, thy whole body is full of light. But when thy eye is evil, thy body also is full of darkness. Take heed, therefore, that the light Light which is in thee be not darkness. Amen. Standing right there to people who thought they had the light. They thought they had the words. They did. They had the words of Isaiah. They had the words of the prophet. And, and right there trying to put out the very light that came into the world. Amen. Because they were living, Brother Brown would talk about their live was living now in the glare of another age. Amen. We, we, we see even Second Corinthians, Satan transforming himself into an angel of light. You say, well, I got the word, but amen. Jesus said, be careful that the light that is within thee be not darkness. Amen. That it's not something that Satan has interjected. Amen. Into your thoughts, into your heart, into the things. And what you think is light is actually darkness. Amen. We, we, you know, we see things that's going on in the age that we're living in. We see people that thought they had light and now they're realizing it's darkness. Amen. Darkness is dwelling in their lives and taking over them. You know, I, I, I think it's amazing that, that, that a child could actually see something that, that us adults many times can't see. You know, uh, you know, there was a, there was a little child one time that would come to his mama, and I'm going to just leave the names out of it, would come to his mama and say, you know, I don't understand how this preacher is saying my granddaddy's not going to make it to heaven when my granddaddy is the one who will treat us right, who will do right to us. Who, are, who, who acts more like a Christian than, now this little kid was about eight years old acts more like a Christian than anybody that I know of amen you know but yet this other ones was, was full of darkness yet they were saying they were the light Amen. And a child could pick it up. A child could see it. A child could discern between the two spirits. Amen. You know what is it? It was a false light. Amen. It was a false creed or a false dogma that was portrayed as light. Amen. Satan is trying to deceive the church world today by false light. Amen. What is perceived to be light? What is perceived to be the truth? What is perceived to be right? And inside of them is darkness. They can be speaking things that they consider to be light and yet treating people and kicking people out and judging and saying, you're not going to make it unless you do a certain thing that I do or you act a certain way or believe something that I believe. What is it? It is a false light. You know, the, the greatest robbery at the time Brother Branham speaks about was a robbery. I looked it up actually in England. Amen. It was a false light that, call, that they robbed a train. They held up a train because they put up a false stop sign light. And it caused this train to stop in a certain place, amen, and to where they could jump on it and they could rob it of millions of dollars. One of the greatest robberies at the time, amen, by a false light where they could put a light on a railroad track and caution it and stop it. And there the robbery took place. A false light gave the greatest ne robbery that the nations has ever known. It robbed the nations of the, the greatest holdup. The greatest robbery was done by a false light. And the greatest robbery the church of God has ever had is a false light. 
It's robbed people of their, uh, of their homes. It's robbed people of their families. It's, it's separated them. Why? By a false light portrayed to be the true light. Amen. Amen. Taking, trying to take the place of the true light. Right? Amen. It robbed them. It has robbed the church. He said a false light has robbed the church of the moving of the Holy Ghost. A false life, it, a light, it took the very lifeline from the church. It robbed them of the word and they accepted the creed instead of the word. It robbed them. You know, actually on my way home, I, I, I go, went into the Delta Lounge there and I was sitting back there. We had a few hours to, in Atlanta and I went into the lounge and I was looking at some things and this man come and sat across from me at the chair there and we, he just began to strike up a conversation and so I began to talk to him. We talked about all kinds of things, but he asked me what I did for a living. I said, well, I'm actually a, a, a full-time minister in the gospel. I said, I, I, I'm assistant pastor at a home church there in Louisiana. He said, oh, he said, that's wonderful. He said, you know, he said, our church is really having some problems. He said, you know, I don't, I don't know what, I, I don't know what to do about it. He said, I tried to tell, he said, we got an AIDS problem. He said, everybody in our church is dying. He said, because there's no young people there, there's no youth. And, and he said, I, I've tried to tell them you got to do this and you got to do that and you got to do that. We tried all kinds of things. And he said, I don't know what to do anymore because it's dying. And he said, what are y'all, do y'all have any, do y'all have, what do y'all do at your church? Do you have any young people? I said, well, yes, sir. We got this many and probably in Sunday school and about this many above Sunday school. He said, well, what are you doing? I said, well, we're not, we're not, we haven't given them a creed or a dogma or, or some program. We preach the gospel to them. And there's a gospel that's not just a gospel of yesterday or a gospel that, and there is a gospel that works. Amen. There's a gospel that lives. There's a light that can shine upon a heart and illuminate them to where they can realize who they truly are. Amen. Amen. You know, listen, we want more than just light. We want the true light. We want more than just a word. We want the true word. We want more than just a spirit. We want the Holy Ghost moving in our hearts and our lives. We want what he has for us. Amen. And some demon of hell wants to wrap himself around and cut the blood flow. I say let there be a preacher rise up with enough power of the Holy Ghost to speak against that thing and cut it off the body. Amen, but people get caught up in false lights. But you know what's amazing about light? When you go home tonight, it ain't so bad in, the time, in, this, in this season that we're in, but come summertime, you go, go home at night, and the light is giving you direction, is showing you, amen, the path that you need to take. Showing you of obstacles that rise. Maybe a tree fell over, deer that jump out. But it's also attracting bugs. It's also attracting things that you don't really want to hit on your car and, and you know, make, make marks and things and all that kind of stuff. What is it? They are also attracted to the light. 
Amen. And we find it, amen, wherever there's a true light, it attracts true seed of God. But it also attracts those who wants to see a miracle take place or see signs and wonders or maybe interested about something, about a better life and a better way of living. Amen. But inside of them, there's darkness. They never allow, they might allow, allow the light to light up their outside, but they never allow it to come on the inside and open up the secret compartments of their heart until the darkness begins to push back against the light. Amen. But this robbery came from a false light. And I, you know, I thought this was very interesting also. Brother Random Britt talking about this. He said, it costs the church, this false light has cost the church the great, greatest robbery it's ever had. Cold creeds won't ripen a vindicated word grain. Cold creeds will not ripen a word vindicated, a vindicated word grain. Amen. Jesus said the word of God is a seed. Cold, cold creeds will not ripen the word. <laughs> Cold, blizzardy days won't ripen the wheat. Amen. No, no. He says, no, indeedy. It takes the warmth of the sunlight. Because it was God's spoken word to do such a thing. It'll take the word spoken of God to show the saints of God that Jesus Christ lived. Just the same as he was yesterday, he is today. Creeds and denominations, cold and indifference, the grain will rot right in the ground. It takes the heat of the sun. It takes the light of God's word. It, it takes more than just a theology or, or a psychology. It takes a living word made manifest. He said, I believe that's what's the matter with the world today, friends, is because the world is trying to live in the glare of the light that shined in another day. And that's what this man was speaking about. He, I believe he said he was a Lutheran. And, and you know, and I thought, you know, Luther had a light, but the light moved on. But many people refused to move with the light. They didn't want it. Amen. They didn't want it. Uh, you know, it's a, they moved on. They moved on to Wesley, to sanctification. And they didn't want that no more. Or, you know, they didn't want to move when it moved to the Pentecostals and the restoration of the gifts. And then they didn't want to move till it moved to the message and the things that we're doing. It's happening in this day and this generation. And of course, people today say, well, we don't need no more of the gifts. That's the light of another day. Well, why don't you throw the sanctification out and the justification out with it? Amen. You know, it takes, it's still light. It still takes justification. It still takes sanctification. It still takes the restoration of the gifts. It still takes all of that. Amen. But people want to throw out the Pentecost, and they, but they don't want to throw out the other stuff. Listen, I want all that God has. I want everything that he has. I want all of the light of God's word. Amen. We, we need to be in the harvest time. And in the harvest time, amen, the sun is shining. The light of God's word is heating the ground and heating the atmospheres around us. Why? Because seeds are coming to manifestation. And then the sun is not only just bringing the wheat seeds to manifestation, it's also bringing the weeds and the tares to manifestation. Amen. The same light. But we go, you know, it says, what happens? 
He said, people are living in a glare of false light, just like a mirage on the road. How many has ever seen a mirage on the road? They say, you know, you get out in the desert and you get real thirsty. The sun had kind of hit the desert and it looked like just like waters out there. People have actually took off running and ran till they died thinking they're running to water. Amen. It's a false conception. It's a false idea of the sun. He said, well, when you get there, it hasn't produced a thing but something false. He said, because you can't walk in the glare of the sun because it's a mirage, always showing you something that there is, that there's nothing to it. He said, when people try to tell you that Jesus Christ isn't the same yesterday, today, and forever, they're leading you to a mirage. He said, when you get into a church and you join church in some creed or something, there's nothing there, no more than what you had in the world. He said, let me tell you, don't ever refuse the true light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which brings the warming rays of the Holy Ghost upon you and makes you a new creature in Christ Jesus. Don't walk in some glare of another age. That glare might have all been right in that age. It might have been all right for them. It's proof so in the day of our Lord Jesus. He was a scriptural light for that day. He was the light. Now, I thought it it was very interesting how John put it. He said, John the Baptist came representing the light. But Jesus was the light. I know a lot of people's got it mixed up in this day that we're living in, and they're looking to the wrong one for light. Amen. William Branham was not the light, but he came representing him. But there is the light, and there is a light that can shine upon your heart and change you from glory to glory to glory and change you from an immature seed to a son of God. It proved so. He was a light when he came upon the earth to vindicate the promised word. John was a bright and shining light. Certainly John had been prophesied by Isaiah 700 years or so before his birth. A voice of one be crying in the wilderness. And Malachi speaking up, I'll send my messenger before my face to prepare the way. Here was John on earth making the written word live. He was a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Amen. And Jesus said you love to walk in his light because he was a bright and shining light. But John said, I must decrease. My light must go out because I've served my time that the prophecy said of me. But hear ye him. He is the one, follow him. Amen. The Jews thought they were worshiping in a true light. They thought they were worshiping the same God. And the very one they were thought they were worshiping was the one that was turning down. The very one they thought they were worshiping was the one that was crucified. And it's the same thing today. The very one they call themselves worshiping is the very one they're criticizing. Is the very one they're making fun of and making folly of and joking about and saying it's a bunch of emotional workup. Saying it's a bunch of this or that and the other. Amen. But, you know, we need something sane and sensible. There is something sane and sensible. It's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's the warming of the Son of God that'll warm your hearts. Amen. Out of a cold form of condition. Give you an amen inside of you. A response to the Word of God. The one they thought they were worshiping, they were crucifying. The one they were making fun of the very God 
making them a laughing stock of the people, the very God they thought they were worshiping. Jesus said, the blind lead the blind. They all fall in the ditch. The hour at hand now when the light is shining, that gospel light in the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ manifests himself that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He lauded that for this day. The things that he promised for this day must happen in this day. If the church won't accept it, God is able these stones to rise children up to Abraham. He'll get his message over. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Because he's always done it and he always will do it. People thinking they're walking in the light. And they're walking in the traditions of their fathers. And the first thing you know, they're walking in a glare of a light. Not the light, but they reject that light that they claim to be worshiping. His works thoroughly vindicated who he was. Search the scriptures. In them you think you have eternal life. They are they that testify of me. Amen. Who can prove what I've said anything or claim that I've made? That the Heavenly Father hasn't vindicated that through me. He's proved to us. He was the light of the hour. Because it was all prophesied that this Messiah should be the way. And here it bloomed to life. But their traditions had separated them from the real light of the word. Pharisees, Sadducees, Herodians... Whatever it might be, they'd got the world so gommed up like they do in all ages. There's some Pharisees, Sadducees, the men may have died, but that spirit still lives. They gomm up so people cannot see the real light. And then in the place of the true light, they put a false light. I mean, I remember just a few years ago, maybe it was our last banquet. I can't quite remember, but Brother Danny Steeman came and ministered, and he talked about the turtles, how they're born in the, on the beach, you know, and, and under a light of the moon. They're to look at the light of the moon, and that moon leads them back to where they came from. He said, but in the time that we're living in, and cities have come up, amen, and they built great highways and great walls and, and great buildings and things, and they put street lights up there, amen, it is a false light to a turtle. It's an artificial light. Amen, it's a man-made light. And those turtles get confused when they come and their eyes are open and they begin to go after what they think is the moon, but it's a false light. And it leads them to a place to where they become dead on a highway, run over by a car. And this is what we're seeing in the time that we're living in. Amen, men have put up their own yard lights, their own street lights and say, this is this street and this is this way and this is the way. There's only one true way. And that is the light. Amen. Jesus Christ is only one way to salvation. It's not through a creed. It's not through a dogma. It's not through a message idea. It's through Jesus Christ. But we got lights up and they're man-made lights. And thousands are going after them. And dying. And you see their homes wrecked. You see their lives wrecked. You see them scarred up. Beat up. Mangled up, messes, because they followed after a man's light. Because I'm going to tell you, every man-made light will go out. Every false doctrine will die. But when that man's light goes out, it leaves people in darkness. That's all they got left. But if you'll follow after his light... (laughs) 
That light will never go out. All hell can't put that light out. It can blow. It ain't got no time of expiration date. Amen. These lights right up here, they got expiration dates. They may last longer than what they think. They're probably going to last less than what they promised. Amen. But one day they're going to go out because they're man-made lights. They're man-made ideas put on paper, brought to a factory and put, amen, and made and manufactured and put up in this ceiling. But one day they'll go out. Amen, amen, and every man-made creed, every man-made doctrine, every man-made idea, it will go out. Amen, it's going to happen, amen, hell will put it out, winds of every, every kind of devils of hell will come against it, but there is a light, amen, hell can come against it, demons can fight against it, every kind of critic can beat their brains out against it, but it'll still shine. It'll still pulsate out in the darkest of nights. Amen. To reach out to the farthest places. To go to the farthest souls. That's congregate. I want that light. I want a Jesus Christ that's real today. Not just a church. Not just a creed. Not just a dogma. I want a powerful living presence of almighty God. He said, lo, a little while and the world won't see me. Why won't they see him? He was vindicated in this age more than any age there's ever been. Since 2,000 years ago, he walked on the shores of Galilee. And the world didn't see him. They said, well, that was just, that was just a like, hocus pocus, you know, or this, that. They got all kind of, na- bunch of nonsense. They're blind. The light has put, them, put their eyes out. The God of this world has blinded them. He said, been thoroughly vindicated by the word and by the works that he's been doing. But yet none of them wanted to believe it. Proving his light was his word. He said, search the scripture, but the traditions that we're living in. Well, we believe Moses. Moses is who we believe. We don't know whence you come. We, we don't, we, where'd you get your education? What can you prove that you're there? His works testified who he was. If they'd only read the Bible, they was reading it, but they couldn't see it. My works identified. Amen. A man is known by his credentials and the credentials is of the word of God. If he's sent by the word of God with the word of God, same in every age, it's always been. You can't live by yesterday's light. Yesterday's light is history. You can't get warm by a sun that shined yesterday. You got to have a sun for today. Amen. What's the matter with the churches today? That's what's the matter with people. They're trying to live by what happened yesterday. You cannot get warm by a painted fire. Amen. You can paint it just as beautiful as you want to paint it. But if it ain't got life in it, there's no heat in it. Listen, we can paint a fire as big as this wall and have fire licks of fire going up and it wouldn't none of us get warm by it. You can paint it as big as whatever you want to paint. It's painted on there. And men have painted Jesus Christ and they made him a certain way and they made him this and they no life inside of there. But if you'll bring the God back to the scriptures to where he's vindicated and life can flow through the body and he can go, it'll warm you. It'll make you where you're not cold and indifferent no more. It'll make you where all those cold creeds have fallen off and there's something on the inside of you. There's life. 
The sunlight is sent to the earth to ripen the grain for the advancing of harvest. Each day brings forth a new sun. The sun, the shine of the day, bringing the wheat up. It'll shine until that wheat comes to fruition. But, you know, we see people are looking back, looking at something else, their past experiences, their past moments. What kind of condition would you be in right now if the last time you saw the sun and the last time you felt his rays was even four days ago, weeks ago? I'm talking about it was gone. Probably wouldn't take but just a few seconds. We cold block of ice. Now we understand why churches are cold blocks of ice. Because the sun hadn't been shining there. A false light might have been shining. The lights may have been on, but something is missing. There's no, there's no moving of the Spirit of God, and they, they want to clamp down on it. But why? They're wanting, to per, they're wanting to put out their own light, portray their own light, show who they are instead of who he is. But he says here, let me find this spot I'm wanting to find. Let's just go back to John chapter 1. And the light, verse 5, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. Now, there's many, there's actually several different meanings to this word comprehend. Comprehend, perceive, obtain, attain, lay hold of. There's also another meaning, which is to take or to overcome, as of the evil overtaken one. You know, I've looked at different Bible translations, and some use the part comprehend, as the King James does, and some use the word extinguish. You know, there's different translations of the same word. Comprehend, perceive, overcome, extinguish, never put out, did not overtake, comprehend, overpower the light. So it's all of these are, are, are definitions of the same word used for comprehend. But, I, you know, I believe that John 1, 5 has a double meaning. Brother Brandon would say, he would speak that all scriptures have a compound meaning. And, and you know, I believe one light came, and as hard as it tried, darkness could not overcome it. Darkness could not stop it. Satan had tried for years. He tried to put it out all down to the prophets. Amen. But light kept moving. It kept moving. It kept moving. And here it came, the great and shining light. And he tried to kill it. He tried to put it in a grave. He tried to, he tried to put it out. But that light rose again. Amen. It could not comprehend. It could not overtake it. It could not stop it. Also, number two, light came and the people in darkness could not understand it. You know why? Because you must experience light before you can comprehend light. Amen. You must experience what true light is, amen, until you can really comprehend what it is. Now, if you lived in this building all your life from the day you was born and, and you never went outside, you never saw the sun, you could not comprehend what that sun does and what all it does, what all it you know entails, what it looks like, how it acts, what it, what it feels like. You could not comprehend it unless you experienced it. 
And this is exactly where people are today. They can't comprehend the Holy Ghost. They can't, they can't preach the Holy Ghost. Why? Because they have never experienced the Holy Ghost. But once you experience the Holy Ghost in your life, that's why Brother Branham said a man should never preach the gospel until he's been on the backside of the desert. In the desert where the sun is beating down and it's beating out all the creeds and it's beating out all of his ideas and the Holy Ghost is burning inside of him. Amen. He shouldn't never preach until he has that experience. And once he's experienced it, then he can preach it. Once he's experienced it, he can let it flow from his life because, amen, he has been in the presence of Almighty God. Listen, I don't want a preacher that's never, I don't even want to listen to one that's never been in the presence of God. I don't want to listen to one who ain't been in the presence of God in the last few days or the last few hours. I want to listen to a preacher that's experienced God for himself and he knows a real living Christ. That way he can preach it where I can understand it because he has experienced it and comprehends it. But the problem is we got too many preachers that don't comprehend. They don't comprehend what the Holy Ghost can do in this hour. Therefore, they want to put their own light on it, and they want to put it in a box, and it shines only in this box. It only moves in this box. It only operates in this box. He only does this in this time. And the Holy Ghost ain't interested in your boxes. He ain't interested in your walls. He ain't interested in your ideas. Amen. The Son of God, the sunshine, shine will go beyond the walls of man. It'll go beyond your old flimsy box and it'll burn down on the inside. Amen. If you'll ever let him go and let him into your heart, it'll begin to illuminate every section of your life, every section of your body. Amen. There is a light that wants to shine upon you and break you out of your darkness. But you must experience it before you can ever comprehend it. You must experience the sun before you can ever say what it is. You must experience fire before you can ever understand what it could do. <laughs> Because if you had never experienced fire, chances are you'd walk up to it and put your finger in it. But if you know what fire is, no, you'll just gather the warmth of the fire. Enjoy the bask in its glory. Amen. You know, this is, this, is, this is one of my favorite events in Jesus' life, just personally. I mean, I love the miracles. This is a miracle, but I love the fishes and loaves. I love, I mean, all the things, but this is one of my favorites is John 9 and verse 1. So when Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Ain't that the way the devil likes to question? I've heard that same question before. Amen. When my little boy Andrew was born with no surfactant in his lungs, amen, the first question that was asked me was walking down the hallway. The devil said, what did you do? You must have done something. For you to be going through what you're going through. For your son to be about, he's, he's going to die because of what you did. And I'm going through my mind wondering what I did. Amen. But Jesus answered them saying, neither has this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. So the light can shine upon him. Oh, hallelujah. 
Amen. If we can get this, this understanding tonight that whatever we're going through is for purpose, is for reason. It's not necessarily because you've done something wrong or, or sinned in your life or thing, but it's shy, the, the, the thing that you're going on, going through is there because God wants to shine specially upon you. God wants to reveal himself to you. He said, I must work the works of him that sent me while his day, the night cometh when no man can work. And as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by our interpretation sin. And he went his way therefore and washed and came seeing. Oh my, that was kind of a different deal right there. Amen. He didn't just speak to it. He watered up a good water spit and spit in the ground and got him a piece of clay and he began to mold it just like he did back there. Amen. In days of Adam, as he was creating that first man, he'd done this before. And if he'd done it before, he can do it again. And he's putting it there and he's placing it in his eyeballs. And he spits again and makes some more little mud and some clay and the right kind of ashes and the right this. He knew what it took to make an eyeball and he put it in his eyes he said now you go wash and he went wash and he came back seeing what was it now he could experience light for himself while he was blind he couldn't tell anybody what light was while he was in darkness he didn't have a clue what light was but now his eyes were open now he could see and therefore he could tell somebody I know what it's like to be blind but now I know what it's like to see blessed be the name of the Lord and the neighbors therefore they which before had seen him that he was blind said is this not he that sat and begged some said this is he others says well he's like him But he said, I am he. Amen. Amen. See, listen. Nobody could ever rob you of that experience. We heard Brother Ben talk about that. They might rob you of of the moment and the memory of it all, but they'll never rob you of that experience. Amen. Others, you know, it's amazing. We read here and we really find out that the blind man wasn't the blind man. You know, there's a, there's a song that's real good, kind of catchy. It talks about the lame man that walked and the, and the deaf man that heard and the dumb man that spake. He said, but won't you just ask the blind man? He saw it all. Yes. Amen. <laughs> amen. Jesus, amen, knows how to orchestrate and move, amen, in possible situations. And, and to where other people may not know, well, I, I think this is who that I thought it was. Kind of looks like him. Something about him is different. Something's, something's strange here. But he said, I'm he. Therefore said they unto him, how were thy eyes open? He said, well, I mean, a man named Jesus made some clay and anointed my eyes and said to go wash. And I went and washed and I received my sight. And they said, where is he? He said, well, I, I don't know. And they brought the Pharisee to him that was aforetime was blind. And it was a Sabbath day when Jesus, uh-oh. Oh, it was some false light that got messed up. 
The Sabbath day when Jesus made clay and opened his eyes. And again, the Pharisees also asked him how he received his sight. And he said, well, he put clay upon my eyes and I washed and do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, this man is not of God because he keepeth not the, our light. He don't respect our light, so he can't be the man of God. Others say, well, how can this man, how can a man that is a sinner do much miracles? Or do this miracle? And there was a division among them. <laughs> Some said, well, there ain't no way it could be God because he's a sinner. Others said, well, how can a sinner do this and not be God? Or how can he be a sinner? <laughs> they didn't have very good light. Their light wasn't very bright. It was a false light. Amen. It was no longer the true light. There was a division among them. They said unto the blind man again, What sayest thou of him that thou hast opened thine eyes? He said, He's a prophet. Amen. Something was beginning to dawn inside of him. Amen. Just like the woman at the well. Amen. When she came there, amen, her light was her water pot. That was the light of her, of her. Amen. That's all the light she had left. When Jesus asked for a drink, he said, she said, she said, well, you, it ain't customary. You'd ask me of a drink. He said, well, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me of a drink. She said, well, how are you going to give me a drink? You don't even have a water pot. That was her light. But the scripture, by the time it was over with, the light began to shine upon her. And she began to realize, you know what? This flashlight I walked up here with, it ain't no good no more. It don't do what I thought it did. Amen, I found a greater light. Amen, because she went from a Jew to a prophet to thou must be the Messiah. What was the light was dawning upon her heart until the scripture says she went into the city and left her water pot. What she thought was important wasn't important no more. When you see the true living word of God manifested in your life, what you thought was light, what you thought was important is not important no more. You'll leave it and run to the city and say, come see a man who's told me all things. This, this Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents. And they asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How doth, then doth he now see? His parents answered and said, we know that this is our son and we know that he was born blind. But by what means we know, he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age, ask him. He shall speak for himself. Now we see the word, the light shines on their hearts. This word spoke to parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that any man did confess that he was a Christ, he will be put out of the synagogue. Yeah, just like Saskatoon. Same spirit, same false light. Same dogma. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. And then again, called they the man that was blind and said to him, God, give God the praise. We know this man's a sinner. What? He answered and said, whether he be a sinner or not, I know not. But one thing I know, whereas I was blind, now I see. They said, uh, then said they unto him, what did, he, what did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? And he said, I've already told you. 
and you did not hear, wherefore will you hear it again? Will you be his disciples? <laughs> if I tell you one more time, will you hear it again? If I testify one more time that I once was blind, but now I see, will you be his disciple? And they reviled him and said, thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciple. Oh, we got the prophet. We got his tapes. Oh, sorry. We got his books. We got him. We know that God spake unto Moses, but as for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. Now, this man done got fed up. He said, I just found, I just realized y'all just stupid. <laughs> the man answered, said, well, here it is a marvelous thing that you know not from whence he is, and yet he has opened my eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth will, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man was not of God, he could do nothing. Oh, hallelujah. If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. And they answered and said, Thou wast altogether born in sins and dost teach us. Like they wasn't born in sin. They was born in the same sin, shaped in the same iniquity as anybody else needed the same blood. But somehow, by their light, they convinced themselves, I'm all right. Yet the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. This is what happens in false lights. It don't expose the true darkness. Hello, somebody. False lights does not expose the, the true darkness. Therefore, in false lights and false light churches that teach us false light, you can have every unclean bird. You can have homosexuals. You can have deacons committing, amen, ungodly sins on their own, uh, own granddaughters. You can have all kinds of stuff. Why? It's a false light. But if a true light shines inside of there, it'll expose every roach. It'll expose every dogma. It'll expose everything the devil's ever done. Because it's the Holy Ghost in fire. And they cast him out. Best thing that ever happened to him. And Jesus heard that they had cast him out. (laughs) And when he found him, he says, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? And he said, answered and said, Lord, who is he that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, And it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And Jesus said, for judgment I've come to this world that they would see, see not, might see. And they which see might be made blind. The same light gives light to some and blinds the other. It depends on how you're looking at him. Some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said to him, are we blind also? Jesus said, if you were blind, you should have no sin. But now you say, we see. Therefore, your sin remaineth. 
If you would say, God, I'm blind. I'm worse than that blind man. I, don't, I didn't see it, but now I see. He said, then your sin would be taken away. But because you said we see, your sin's going to remain. Darkness has tried for thousands and thousands of years to put out light. It's tried to cancel it. Amen. But darkness will never extinguish light. Darkness will never suppress light. Darkness will never overcome light. Darkness will never put out light. Amen. Darkness will never comprehend light. Amen. As long as God has a people here on the earth, amen, there will always be the supernatural light of God shining. It's an eternal light. As we said before, light is an attractant. It also, not only does it attract the true, it also attracts the false. It attracts bugs. It attracts spiders. It attracts insects. It attracts things by giving you light. As it lights your path, it's, always a, it's also lighting the evil and attracting them, pulling the bugs in and the spiders in. Brother Brandon would talk about this as we bring this down, he said, you know, he said, I went to the Statue of Liberty with that big arm out there holding that light. And he said, I laying under there was a bunch of dead sparrows. And he says, a bunch of dead sparrows. He said, looking at those little sparrows laying there, I said, said to the guard that was with me, I said, what's the matter with them little birds? He said, they died last night. He said, there was a storm come up, and they were flying in the storm. And they came into the light. But instead of using the light from the Statue of Liberty as a peaceful thing, as a safety, they came and tried to black the light out. And they beat against it until their little heads were beat, their brains out, and they're laying dead because they refuse to follow the light, and now they beat their brains out. He said, oh God, what an example of this. The men and women raising up today, people who try to deny God's Bible, and I'll say this, people who try to deny God's prophet, tries to deny the true living word today, and stood accepting this light as a place of safety, as a guidance. They beat against it. And they beat against it. And they beat against it. You can beat all you want to. But you'll never put out the light. You can beat against this message all you want to. You can make all the videos you want to make and post them on YouTube. You can beat and you can beat and you can beat until your brains are beat out. But you will never. I said you will never put this light out. Amen. And just as that light donated by another country is still standing there as a sound of freedom, so is this gospel light. It's still standing against every storm, against every wave, against every blackbird that wants to come and beat against it and try to black it out. You'll never black it out. But it'll stand throughout eternity as a sound of freedom as a sound of of peace and harmony, as a place of safety for those who desire safety. They're beating their heads out, but this word will remain forever. 
Upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. When Peter first made his confession, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, blessed art thou, Peter, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. You never learned it in a seminary. You never learned it from what somebody else said. But my father has given it unto you. And upon this rock, this revelation of who I am, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It'll be against it. It's going to try to block it out. There's going to be more critics. There's going to be more videos. There's going to be more of their nonsense. But they'll be the ones laying dead. Amen. Below the light as we rise and go towards that great and shining light into that body change. Don't forget, as I told you last Wednesday, it's getting dark, it's getting dark, and it's getting darker until you almost can't see the hand in front of your face. But why is it getting darker? Because behind that darkness, it ain't darkness that's pushing, it's light that's pushing. If you begin to realize it ain't darkness that's getting greater, it's light that's getting greater. And light is behind the darkness and it's pushing, 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 pushing. And darkness is trying to hold. And darkness is trying to hold. But light will prevail. And it's going to break through one glorious day. And out of that light, amen, a little 19-year-old woman named Karen Pruitt is going to step out and tap us on the shoulder. A little man called Jerry Shaw is going to step out and tap you on the shoulder. Hallelujah. Light is pushing. Light is pushing. I'm not going to fight against the light. I'm going to stand with the light. I'm going to stand with what it has and say, God, shine on me. Shine on even like tabernacle. And Lord, may we bask in the rays. May we bask in the heat. May coldness and formalness never come into these doors. May creeds and dogmas never feel comfortable here because of that great and shining light. Let's stand together. I wanted to go into what's the attraction on the mount. Brother Brown would talk about that attraction as Jesus would ride down there. He said it attracted more than just believers. It attracted unbelievers and make-believers. People saying, shut, shut them up. They're too loud. People saying, it's just a bunch of emotion. Go listen to it. What's attraction on the mount? He said, but then it also attracted a people that was fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> God was fulfilling prophecy. He said, when, it, when it, God is fulfilling prophecy, it always causes an attraction. It brings all the critics up. It brings the vultures up. But it also brings the eagles. <laughs> they come together to find out what's going on. Some come for curiosity. Some come to find fault. Some come to criticize. It gathers all kinds. Believers make believers unbelievers. But what's happening on the mountain? Prophecy is being fulfilled. What's happening in our day? Prophecy is being fulfilled. It's attracting all kinds. But it also attracts the true. What prophecy? Listen to the prophecy it was fulfilling. Rejoice greatly. Rejoice greatly, O daughters. 
when this king comes, I want y'all to be real quiet. I want you to just be sensible and just stay in your seats. Just a little amen will do. Rejoice greatly. Rejoice greatly, O daughters of Zion. Shout! O daughters of Jerusalem, behold the king cometh unto thee. Having salvation. Well, that's something to shout about. Amen, was the king coming. Amen, down that little dusty road. And people began to sing, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. What were they doing? Fulfilling prophecy. And meanwhile, right over here was somebody saying, be quiet. Stop it. Stop it. Don't do that. You're getting out of order. Stop, stop, stop. He said, they don't cry out. The rocks are going to. Because they've forgot something's got to fulfill prophecy. Something's got to fulfill the scriptures. And, and you wonder, why are we excited? Why? Because I know I once was blind, but now I see. And I can see who's in our midst. It's not just some man-made creed or some man-made dogma or something of 50 or 60 years ago. It's still the same today, producing the same signs. He's still healing the sick. He's still saving the lost. He's still bringing our family back. He's still doing all of that. It makes me want to shout because he's still bringing salvation. He's still bringing healing. It's the king in our midst. If you don't have the king in your midst, you got the right to just sit in your seat and don't say a word. But when the king comes, he deserves the glory. He deserves the honor. He deserves the praise. And somebody is going to fulfill prophecy. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads. He said, if scribes and preachers and ministers and spiritual men, so-called anointed ones, would only read their Bibles, they wouldn't be wondering what's taking place. They would know what it is. God is fulfilling his word. History is being made. Prophecy is being fulfilled. Salvation coming to a dying world. What a great day. All the graves were waiting for that day. All that had died was waiting for that day. All the righteous blood of the martyrs and prophets was waiting for that day. Everyone in the grave, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all the prophets were waiting for this hour. And the same as today. All the saints has died down through 2,000 years of church ages is waiting for this day right here. He was the answer to the prophet's prophecy. He was the fulfillment of scripture. And people wanted them to be quiet. Don't get excited. Don't get worked up. Apparently, you're not seeing what I'm seeing. I see the king is risen. The word is in position. I feel like one of those soldiers coming back from the World War II on that old ship. They entered into that harbor. They could still see that token, that symbol of freedom shining, that statue of liberty. Tears begin to stream in their eyes because they knew right beyond that was their loved ones. Right beyond that was their home. Right beyond that was where they truly belong.
Come on, hallelujah. You want to watch the tears are streaming down our eyes, rejoicing in our hearts, dancing and carrying on, because we still see that old ship of Zion sailing towards that shore, and that light is still shining. And it's shining through every dark spirit of Laodicea. It's shining through every dark crevice. And I know just beyond that great light is my home. I know just beyond that is my loved ones. I know just beyond that is where I come from. It makes me want to shout to know how close I am to home. Don't beat your head against it. Enjoy the rays of the sun. Bask in his glory. Let it ripen you. Let it fulfill God's word in your heart. Amen. Father, take your words tonight, Lord. Take them into our hearts, Lord. Let your light just shine, Lord, like never before in our lives, Lord, that we can see you greater than we ever saw you, Lord. Lord, I believe it's the way it is. The church of the living God is looking and seeing more of you, more vindication, more of you in our midst, more of you moving, more of you touching. Cancer's falling off. Lord, a 70-year-old man coming back to the Lord. Demons of every kind falling at your feet. Oh, God, it puts a rejoicing in our heart to see the light still shining in this dark day we're living in. God, may we always give you the praise you deserve and the glory and honor you long for. May we never be ashamed of that light. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look for